morning, church. How are you? Good. I am not Shannon, as you can surmise. My name's Justin. I'm the, the student pastor and worship pastor here at the Porch Community Church, and we're really glad you're here. If you're a first-timer, we want to say a special welcome to you. We love that you're here, and we hope that when you walked, as soon as you walked in the door, as soon as you drove on campus, that you, you saw all those red shirts welcoming you in and pointing you and doing like the, the flight path, you know, you know, the, the tarmac thing with the uh, Joe Jowers and, man, their crew. And then Shannon was out there, too, as well. Shannon, right? You were out there parking people. How about it? That's right. I said, no job too big or too small. We're, we're, it's like all hands on deck around here. Uh, we joke that we, you know, we have titles, but then we have the other duties. And it's like all the above, like changing light bulbs and parking people and mowing the grass and, you know, cleaning the back, like all that stuff. We just do that. Um, not because... Oh, it's like, oh, man, it's a But we really want you to sense how God is working and moving here on this campus and in the hearts of our, our, our hearts in this room. And as we go out, we want to live that out for our community. Amen. So we're here. Um, one, one quick note that we were supposed to have a bonfire tonight. And then, of course, <laughs> the wood is wet. Ain't happening. Uh, so bonfire has been postponed, actually, and we were going to move it indoors and do like a movie night type thing but we're not doing that so it's been postponed until further notice right Shannon correct Josh is that right and then we'll let you know um, when it dries out we'll try to do this again before it gets it too hot and no one wants to be around a fire does that sound good I mean you know the cold months that's when you want a fire um, so we're in this series called I heart fill in the blank and uh and of course uh, last week Shannon her message was, I heart, or I love, my church, right? As well we should. And she mentioned, uh, in her message, she mentioned all these things about the church that maybe some people don't love, and maybe that's their excuse not to come, right? Do you know people like that? Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. They're just out. They're just ex-churched. They just don't really want a lot to do with church. And most of the time, what you'll find is, it's the people. It's the people that ruin it for me. I mean, I'm good with Jesus and all, but the people are hypocrites. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are. We're all broken people. Anytime, any, any, any church you go to, it's going to be full of broken people. They can, they can pretend that they're not, and hopefully they don't. They embrace that. We, we want to embrace that here, right? We want to embrace that here, the brokenness of humanity. And we say, look, Jesus is the only hope for any of us. The Spirit living in me. The spirit within me is, my, is the only hope for this world. Not what I can bring to the table. Not my gifts. So yes, we're full of broken people. The church is broken and messed up. But we're all rowing in the same direction. Amen? Like we want to know Jesus. We want to make him known in our community. Right? So I, I heart my church was, was last week's message. This, today, it's sort of a piggyback message. It's sort of the, the build on. The, the, it builds on the foundation of last week and the week before. It's I heart my people. Now, before we can say what my people, who they are, like, we have to define that. And you have to define that for yourself. Who are your people? I want to ask you, and I want you to think about that. I'm not going to ask for answers, but I want you to think about that. Who are, who do you consider your people, your crew, your tribe, your posse, right? We got them, your crew. People that uh, you're doing Friendsgiving and Galentines with. How about it? Right? Nothing wrong with Friendsgiving, Galentine. 
I wish I didn't see 5,000 posts in three minutes about it, but, to, you know, but to, hey, to each his own, I guess. No, people are like, no, I'm not throwing shade. I'm not throwing shade. Like, you do you, boo. I, I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, I'm going, oh, man, more Galentine, more Galentines. I'm sorry. I'm glad you're here. And if you had a, and listen, if you had a, a, a rip roaring Galentine's, good for you. I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> oh, man. That's what happens when you give me a mic. Singer, when a singer gets a mic, it's trouble. The big idea for today is, is this, folks. Big idea is this. You want to write this down. Profound. <laughs> Jesus loved people loves people therefore we should love people too now stop me if you've heard this before it's like a joke you know that everybody tells stop me if you've heard that before it's like every other sermon you've ever heard in your life hey Jesus loves us so we should love others and you say no duh tell me something I don't know tell me give me something profound but that is profound that is profound it is more profound than you and I know. Because if we truly take to heart how much the depth the Father's love for us, the depth in which he loves us, the great measures he went to, Jesus went to, and take on that cross. I love that it's right there. I can just point to it every time. Because it's in view of everybody in this sanctuary today. Everybody in this auditorium can see the symbol of, the depth of God's love for us. 2,000 years ago, that was a torture device. It's the bane of, of human existence. Today, it is life. It is freedom. And without it, we are just a social organization trying to do good things in our world with no depth to it whatsoever. But it all changes at the cross. Amen, right? So we can agree who are your people? That's the question I have for you today. Who are your people? You know, see, look, a thousand times in your life you have heard that Jesus loves us, therefore we should love others. Yep, go and do that. That's great. Good luck. But how? How? It's not just something you decide to do. It's not just something you decide to love people. Because people loving people is hard. There's some unlovable people in our lives. Amen? Amen. Hey, don't be ashamed of that. Man, call it what it is. There are some people that I don't love. Now, you know, we love them in a general sense. What we do is we say, God, I love everyone. I love you. I love people in general. With that little pious, you know, we lift our chin and we say, I love people. Because you have loved me and I'm going to be bigger and I'm going to love them generally speaking-ish. But when it comes time to put feet to that, to really love someone where they are, regardless of whether you think they deserve it or not, we slam on brakes. We say, yeah, it's getting too messy for me, God. I'm feeling, I'm feeling some bitterness well up in me. I might say something I shouldn't say. I might do something I shouldn't do. I might ruin my witness. Come on. So we talk about a community a lot around here, and rightly so. It's important to us. Listen, it's important. Christ-centered community is important. 
for you, for every individual here, whether whether you're a part of a community group or a little, you know, crew, you, you're everybody in here is a part of some crew, whether they're based in, you know, church a setting, church setting, or the ball field, or right. We we all have a crew that we run with, and that inner circle defines our life. It defines who we are. So that's just another aside. Be careful who you're crew is. Be careful who your inner circle is. I, I would say that if, if Jesus is not a part of that, if, if the component of Jesus Christ is not a part of that at all, and those are your biggest influences, that's going to affect your life. That's sort of an understatement, right? It's going to affect your life, and not for the better. So who is your crew? Like I, I asked that question. I had to ask myself that question. Who is my pack? Who's the pack I run with? Because what we do is we run in packs, right? We, we, that's what we do. We are humans that like to be around other humans because we're lonely without other people. That's just the way God made us. God is a relational God. We are relational people. We need other people, right? We need people. It's security. It's, it's the joy of doing life with someone and, and, and going through the good and the bad with people. And you need those people. And we're not knocking that at all, I promise you. But I want to play the other side of the coin this morning because sometimes community takes on a negative connotation for those who are outside of your circle. I'm not saying it's intentional. It's most likely not. But there, in many times when it comes to some group of people that are tight-knit there are people on the outside peering in going what do I need to do to get into that group there are people on the outside going man if I just had a group like that I'd be happier and then resentment builds up and it's not necessarily your fault but I would say let's safeguard against that this morning you know Shannon mentioned last week in her in her, in her message that many times the reason people don't want to come to your church or our church is they think it's cliquish I've heard that about our church before and I would say that's mostly false. It's a perception that's false. We love each other. We're goofy. We're crazy. We're hanging out with each other outside the walls. I'll never forget about five or six, seven years ago, this happened in our own youth group. And what, would hap what happened was God got a hold of some hearts, and he started to stir and, and move in us. Stir. <laughs> See what I did there? It was unintentional. Can I hit a symbol? Yeah, okay. And what happened was is some strange things started happening. Like youth group kids started hanging out with each other outside of youth group. They're doing life together. It's their crew. Do you know what that will do in the heart of a young person? Do you know that that's why we, we, we go to great lengths to give our, our kids a place, a safe place where they can have a crew like that that loves Jesus, loves each other? In, in the years where their, their life is going to turn one way or the other on the, just on a, a, a whim. In some ways, they sometimes they never recover from those. Their life is pointed in a direction. If Christ-centered community is not a part of it, they will ne they, sometimes they will never return. They may return when, in their 40s and have all this regret. We want Christ-centered community to be who we are. It is, it's part of our DNA, folks. It is part of who we are. But I never want someone on the outside of my crew to look at my crew and say, Psh, bunch of insiders. You can't get in there. It's a club. I don't know what the initiation is, but I don't really know if I want to know. And I'm, I, bump that. I don't want to be a part of it. You're not going to 
wipe out that perception altogether. But folks, the way we live our lives outside of our inner circle is going to matter greatly to those on the outside of the circle. Jesus loves people, therefore I should love. But we need to know how Jesus loves. If we are going to say that, make that blanket statement, you and I need to know how he loves. How does he love? What does he do to display love to humanity? The big idea today is that Jesus loves people, therefore we should love people. You know, sometimes in our tight-knit community, right, when we're, we're doing life together and people see us from afar and they're like, that's strange. It will be strange to those on the outside. What if God is calling the out, person on the outside of your community inward? What if God is going to use you to be the catalyst for someone who's on the outside of Christ-centered community to draw them into Christ-centered community because of your life, because of your encouragement, because of the way you love them even though they're not in your posse or in your crew or in your tribe? Nothing wrong with the tribe. We all need them you got to have people that are going to love you no matter what and pour into you and are going to be accountable to, and you're going to be accountable to them and they're going to be accountable to you. We need that. And it's a, it's a, it, without it, we don't grow as Christians, right? Without it, we don't grow. But what if God is calling us to expand the family? What if your, your, your crew of eight, God wants to make ten? And he's got two individuals that he wants you to love on and to draw into the kingdom. And what if that crew that crew of 10 becomes 15. And he wants that crew to maybe split up into two. And those two of seven or eight become 16 and 20. And they begin to multiply that way. Discipleship's going on then, right? And our mission is to make disciples, not to make converts. We want people following Jesus the best they know how. And sometimes I think our inner circles, our crews, can be a deterrent to that because we turn inward a little too much. It's great, but we can be guilty of that. I've seen it, you know, I've seen it here, and you know, I've seen it in my own heart where I'm so focused on my crew that I forget about everybody else on the outside. And, and God is saying, maybe there's a part of your future crew that's out there that he wants you to reach, to love on radically so they can know Jesus you do and like your crew does I see it time and again I've been around long enough to see people on the outside of our community that on the surface was like no way there, you know there's too much going on in their lives and God does something in their lives and they hand their lives over to Christ and now they are walking with Jesus every day I see it over and over from the perspective of a student pastor because there's a lot of turnover in our community. Kids graduate. Freshmen come in every year. It's this, it's this revolving. It's the best and worst part of my job. Saying bye to seniors. Saying hello to freshmen and four years later saying bye to them again. And what I've found is when community is, is, is doing uh, what it's supposed to be doing and it's working well, then those, gra those high school graduates... They come back for a season or a D-Now weekend. They come back and they pour back in to those freshmen and those sophomores, those, those underclassmen. 
because they want them to experience Christ-centered community like they have. That's when it's working, folks. It's working when we're constantly looking outward and not inward, all right? So how did Jesus love people? There's one passage in Matthew 9 that always gets me, and I want you to turn there, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, starting in verse 35. This is a passage I believe displays all you need to know about Jesus' heart for people. Matthew 9, starting in 35. If you're there with me, good, let's go. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. It's an outward perspective. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray that the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest, and ask him to send more workers into the fields. Jesus is traveling around preaching, performing miracles, healing people, and he stops in his tracks and he looks around for a second. And he is moved with compassion the crowd of people that he sees. He's moved with compassion for them. When's the last time I looked on someone and instead of being disgusted or put out with them, because maybe they, they did something personal towards me, or maybe I just don't like them very much for whatever reason. When's the last time I looked on someone who's on the outside of my circle and said, I am moved with compassion for them. I'm going to get on my knees and pray for them every day. I'm going to draw them. I'm going to see if I can go have lunch with them or I can, I can um, give them a call and say, hey, you know, come, come to church with me. You know, and, and church is not going to save anybody, but we believe that Jesus is here. So, right, God uses this corporate body to, to change lives. So it's not just inviting people to church into a, to a church service. It's inviting them into a relationship with Christ. Maybe God wants to use you in that way. Maybe God wants to change the way you think about certain people in your life or on, on the periphery of your life and say, I have compassion for them. I didn't, I, I didn't once. Think about the people that Jesus looked out over and saw when he looked out over that crowd. Most of them were following him for superficial reasons. Isn't that the church? Isn't that a, an average Sunday morning anywhere in America? I mean, pray not here. But what he saw when he looked out over the crowds broke his heart. Broke his heart. Because the, the majority of the people following him were following for what? All they wanted to do was see what? A miracle. They didn't want to have, they wanted to hear anything he had to say content-wise. They didn't want to get too hairy and too dirty with this Jesus thing. Jesus, don't, you've been saying things like lay down your life and follow me. I, I can't, I'm not doing that. But I'll follow you around and see some of this stuff. Man, this guy that has never walked in his life, you made him walk, I see that. This guy that was dead and now was alive, I want to see that. This guy that was healed of an incurable disease at that time, I want to see that. I want to see that happen. Don't ask me to do, get too crazy now, Jesus. Let's not get too crazy. The fact is, when it came to Jesus, there are no insiders or outsiders. We're all just 
broken people. And that's the way Jesus fused the world. The fact is, even more than that, that before Jesus came, we were all outsiders. You ever been an outsider? Maybe you've never experienced that. Maybe you were born on the inside. Maybe you were born because of maybe your parents' social status. That's not always a bad thing. Use that to influence people for Jesus. Use your platform, wherever God, wherever your station is in life. Use that. But maybe you've always, you feel like you've always been on the outside. You've not always been on the inside, and maybe you still feel on the outside now. But let me tell you, the cross makes us all insiders. There's an opportunity today for you and I to to not feel like outsiders anymore, to feel like insiders because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. We're all, if we accept Christ, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and forgives us and, and died for our sins, we are now an insider. There's no outside and inside. There's no clique. There's no posse. There's no, there's no crew anymore. We're all the family of God. And there are people in this world, in your vicinity, in your life, that I believe that Jesus wants you to look on with compassion and say, you know what? I believe that however long it takes, that that person who feels like an outsider now will become an insider, will we'll come into and get connected in Christ-centered community. Maybe not here, but somewhere. I believe that, and I'm going to pray to that end, and I'm not going to stop praying. So that person who feels like an outsider becomes an insider. Amen? Man. There's a term we like to use uh, when it comes to um, ministry um, especially, I think of it when I think of our, our portal college ministry. Hey. Hey. All right, good. And the term is radical hospitality. You ever heard that term? Radical hospitality? Do you know what radical hospitality looks like? 60 college kids taking up every inch of your living room floor just so they can be together. Now, you know... It ain't real comfortable. But there's a reason that, and I've had people ask me all the time, like, don't you want to move that to the church? Don't you want to have more space so more people can come? And I say, yes, we never want to cap our, the number. But if it's just about the number, then we're, my focus is only inward. If it's just about the number, then I'm, I'm sort of barking up the wrong tree spiritually. Yes, it's crowded. Yes, my little air conditioner can't handle it. But we love it. We love it. Because there's something about, y'all, being a college student away from home, there's something about walking in someone's front door and knowing you can go right to the fridge. Yes, they all have refrigerator rights. Don't ask me why. My kids will hide their favorite foods because they know the college students are coming on Monday. I have about five bags of, uh, of Ruffles all-dressed chips, and I have them stuffed away. They asked me where they are. I said, I don't have any. I lied to them. Yes, I do. They're not there. Go get something else. The other day, uh, Colby, my, my middle, walks in and says, or Colby and Cameron both, they say, Dad, those college kids ate my yogurt. They ate it. They didn't even ask. 
They just ate it. Now, crisis averted, we found the missing yogurt. It was just like stuffed somewhere. But cereal, y'all, milk, bottled water, TP, paper towels, spoons, forks, paper plates, chips, drinks, all gone. And stuff they ain't supposed to touch is getting gone. I'm like, where's the Captain Crunch? Oh, we had about three or four people eat several bowls of Captain Crunch last night. Sorry. It's a brand new box. <laughs> I need to get the family size, don't I? Radical hospitality. Why? People ask me, why, you crazy people, why do you do that? Why? It's chaos. Don't you ever get tired of it? Don't you ever get tired? I'm like, no. Because God is at work. And as long as my heart is open to be radically hospitable to our kids, our students, you out there, all of us are challenged to live lives of radical hospitality. Now, you don't, I'm, I'm not saying God's calling you to, to host 50, 60 college students in your home every Monday night. But it could be something else. Radical hospitality goes beyond youth group and, and, and college ministry and church. It goes way beyond that. Maybe God's calling you to live a radically hospitable life to the people in your vicinity, at work, school. Maybe God's calling you to an act of radical hospitality for someone else's sake. I'm just going to leave that there. See, God's love for us, y'all, listen, is radically hospitable. <laughs> what that means is it's different. When we say radically hospitable, it means that is love that someone can't wrap their minds around. The reason our Chrysalis community is so, so incredible and it's powerful is because people just love people, people they don't even know. People are being loved into the kingdom of God. Radical, unconditional, agape love, love that centers on Jesus and not the, the need in our heart to do something good for someone. Man, that will preach all day, and it's not even my sermon. Oh. See, we're good at loving our people. You're good, and I, we're good at loving people in our circle. We don't love everybody that way. Now, you may say, well, I just don't have a relationship with them like that. I don't, these people I'm doing life with, sure. But let's not get so inward focused that we move, that we lose the outward focus of the entire church. You may say, well, people in my life, there are people that, not in my crew. I just don't jive with very well. I don't get along with. They've hurt me. But they're not like me. We love these people well, like our crew. We don't love those people well. Let's define those people for a second. People not like us. People we don't get along with. People that have hurt us. Betrayed us. Man, there's a lot of bones to dig up there. But God says, put, a, put it away and love everyone like they have sacred worth. Because they do. We love these people well. We don't love those people over there very well. People that are hard to love. People that in our minds are less than desirable. They don't deserve love. 
We're good at loving our people, our tribe. What about the people on the outside? See, Jesus was good at loving people where they were. He had dinner, and he, had, he went and hung out with people that his, his disciples constantly asked him, Jesus, why this person? Why are you wasting your time with a less than desirable? Why are you wasting your time with that tax collector? They just stole all our money. We could have used it for ministry. They're crooks. Why are you wasting your time with people that want to kill you? Mind you, Jesus spent three and a half years mentoring a man who eventually would hand him over to the Romans to be killed. And he knew it when he picked him. He knew it when he tapped that man Judas on the shoulder and said, hey, come, come be a part of my crew. He spent three and a half years loving Judas radically, knowing what the outcome would be. He'd never get anything in return. In fact, he got more than he bargained for. He knew what the end result would be, and yet he chose to love him. Radical hospitality. You see, we're, we don't love people well at all. We say we love them in a general sense. We can't even love the people that we've entered into marriage covenant with very well. Half, over half of all marriages fail. And look, if you're part of a failed marriage, that's, that's not, that is the, the fact, the matter. God is healing. God is at work in your heart, and he will bring healing to that situation. But we, the fact of the matter is, folks, we are not good at loving even the people that we say we love the most. We're not. Parents, we're not great at loving our kids. We're good at giving them experiences. We're good at giving them vacations. We're good at giving them travel ball. We're good at giving them uh, things that, that we think are going to enhance their college career. But sometimes we just miss out on giving them Jesus. This morning, this is a, this is a challenge for me. Because everything I just said, I'm in that boat. Now, thank, praise God, I'm still married. But I'm telling you, I struggle with this just like, like anyone would. I, I've been dealing with this all week. I don't love people very well that aren't like me. And most of the time, I want to keep it that way. God have mercy on me. I had a friend in, in elementary school. His name is Keith. Why are you snickering at the guy's name? I'm just kidding. His name is Keith. And Keith was awesome. Number one, we had sports in common. He was a really good athlete, really good, better than me. I, I, I just kind of looked up to kids like, whoa, run that fast. Keith was awesome. He loves Star Wars, which is a plus in my book, Star Wars people. Can I get amen? That's right. And so Keith and I had a lot in common. It was an easy relationship. We got along very well. And, and it got to the point, you know how elementary school students, uh, eventually the question comes up, hey, come hang out with me at my house after school. You know, come home. Come home and hang out with me right after school. Your mom can pick you up, blah, blah, blah. Shows how the mind of a child works. I, what I didn't know about Keith at the time, and I saw on my mom's face when I brought him home, was that Keith didn't come from the same kind of home I came from. Keith was dirty. Keith did I looked like he didn't hadn't showered in a long time. He was very, very poor. Nine-year-old me didn't know that. All I knew is I loved my friend Keith. We had a lot in common. 
I saw through I, somehow God blinded me to that the childlike faith amen right like it didn't matter and I saw my mom's eyes when I brought it home like, oh like she wasn't appalled by Keith. she just wasn't expecting that my good friend would, would be so radically different in most every area of, of our lives except for the the areas that matter to us sports Star Wars <laughs> Now, when, as we grew older, we grew apart because social constructs dictated who we hung out with. Because people from a certain socioeconomic background didn't hang out with people who weren't, and so on and so forth. It's sad. Now, Keith and I reconnected after in adulthood after we got over our ridiculous teenage ways of looking at the world as far as who I should hang out with, who I sh shouldn't. Society dictates that. And Jesus said, I don't care about all that. I care about the person in the heart. The question this morning as, as we wrap up is, who is God calling you to love that's outside of your circle? Who's God calling you outward to? You need your crew, your Christ-centered community. It needs to be solid. That needs to be the people that, that have your ear the, the most, and you need to be around them the most. That needs to be your the people that you spend the most time with, the inner circle. Jesus had an inner circle. But there's an outer circle, there's an outer uh, world out there that needs people who love Jesus, and they're going to love them radically too. Will that be you this morning? A few questions for you as we close. Am I seeing people like God sees them? Or am I seeing them through the social construct of, of, of how our society is? Am I so inward focused that I miss opportunities to draw others into community? Am I living a life of radical hospitality? 1 John 4 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And it says in verse 12, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought into full expression in us. How is God's love going to be brought to full expression in your life? The prayer this morning, and it's a breath prayer that we all, I want us all to pray with the most sincere, the most sincere heart we can pray. God, make me a people person. God, make me a people person. Then it has nothing to do with being introverted or extroverted. If you're introverted, you say, oh, God, just ask me to be a people. I'm just not, Justin. I'm just not a people person. God will make it so. I've seen God change people's personalities, their, their makeup, to be people, people. Because God's calling them out. God's calling them outside of themselves. So what will it be for us this morning? God, make me a people person. Help me to get outside of my circle so that I can impact this world. I can love, truly love, see people for who they are in you and see their intrinsic value and their eternal value and their worth so that they can come to know you if they don't. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the truth in your word. We're thankful that everything about today centers on you. You're the only hope for our lives. God, and in that, you called us to a, 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 a life that's different. You called us to a life that's radically different than everyone else we see and all that we experience and go through in this life. You 
You called us to love people that in our, in our flesh are unlovable. You called us to make amends with people that have done us wrong. You called us to have forgiveness and compassion on people. And you called others to do the same for us. You have done that for us on the cross. So we come and we say, we lay that at your feet. We lay the inward thinking mindset at your feet. And we're asking that you would turn our hearts outward to the world. Jesus, you are the hope for humanity. None but you. You are a hope that we cannot give to people on our own. You give that hope, but we can love them in such a way that they see you. A clear representation of Matthew 9, when you looked out over the crowd and said you had compassion for them. Help us to do the same in our world. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand and worship together.